Continuing our farm system previews, let's talk about the Los Angeles Angels and what they can expect out of their farm system in 2024. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, come on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So looking at the Los Angeles Angels farm system, there's it's clear who some of the top prospects are, and but I think we also have to acknowledge that this system isn't nearly as deep as other teams because of, one, both of the moves made in the last couple of years to try and uh, get into the postseason while Shohei Otani was still on the team, as well as some interesting decisions made when it comes to drafting the types of drafts, the types of players that have been targeted, and the incredibly aggressive promotion timelines. A lot of places have the number one prospect in the system as Nolan Shanwell, the first baseman. Really interesting scenario here. I'm not sure if he should necessarily be considered the number one prospect in the conventional sense, as in the player with the highest ceiling and the most talent. I think a lot of the reason Shane will ends up being number one is because of the proximity as well. So first rounder out of Florida Atlantic last year, uh, 11th overall, and he played 22 games in the minors before being called up. It was 40 days from when he was drafted to when he was playing in the major leagues. It's the fifth shortest draft to debut timeline in baseball history, right? And he he played more games in the majors than he played in the minors. He played 29 games in the majors and only 22 in the minors. And in all 29 of those games, he reached base. Just absolutely wild. Okay, 22 games in the minors for Nolan Shanwell. 365, 505, 487. Six extra base hits. One of those was a home run. 21 walks to 10 strikeouts, two or two on stolen bases. In the major league sample, in those 29 games, he batted 275, 402, 330, one home runs, four extra base hits, 20 walks to 19 strikeouts. If you're noticing some trends in those stat lines, on base percentage, really good, right? Even in the major league sample, he walked more than he struck out. You're also noticing the power production not necessarily there. And this was one of the questions about Nolan Shanwell's transition into professional baseball. So in college last year, his exit velocities with the metal bats they use were were good, right? 91 mile an hour average exit velocity. His 90th percentile was over 105. With wood, It hasn't necessarily translated yet, and some of that is just natural, I guess, talent and ability, and some of that's the way he's attacking pitches. So uh, in the minors, 
it was an average of 84, a 90th of 97. In the majors, it was an average of 85 and a 90th of 97 or so. So below average power numbers. I don't ever think that Nolan Shane was going to be a plus power hitter. He may not even be an average power hitter. But part of it too is it feels like the swing, like you, you see significantly more raw power in batting practice and things like that then you actually see game power. And I think some of that is the swing in the approach as well. He's always been very good at making contact. His college numbers are absurd in this regard. 88% contact, 93% contact in the zone. If there's one thing Nolan Shandwell can do really, it is make contact in the zone, have very good plate discipline. And it feels like, you can absolutely see how he's going to be a productive major leaguer, provided even if nothing changes. You can also see how he's going to be a very atypical major leaguer because he's not going to be a power threat at first base, right? Really curious to see what happens going forward with Nolan Shanwell. I think there's some approach tweaks or some launch angle tweaks he could make to unlock more power. I also don't know if he's going to or not because this is what this is working for him and it got him to the majors incredibly fast. Two other prospects here that I want to talk about as far as the top prospects, and both of them are in the lower minor. So outfielder Nelson Rada was an IFA in 2022, got just under $2 million, and they brought him up. He spent the entire year in single-A Inland Empire at age 17. He was the youngest player to spend his full season in minor league ball. I know Ethan Salas spent some time making it all the way to double A, but it wasn't a full season. So for, for Nelson Rod, 115 games in single A, 276, 396, 346 was the slash line. Two home runs, 21 extra base hits, 73 walks to 98 strikeouts, 55 of 66 on stolen bases. And I know people are like, the slugging wasn't even 350. He's 17 years old. He did all of that at age 17. And so when you contextualize for age to level adjustments, right? He goes out there and he bats 276 at age 17 with an on base of almost 400. He struck out 98 times, but he walked 73 in 115 games. And when you look at what Nelson Rada was able to do, 78% contact rate. So like you feel really good about that from a lot of prospects, period. Never mind a 17-year-old, okay? The chase was low. Swing and miss in the zone wasn't bad. And you could see there are some holes in his swing and things like that. He's got to get more, more bat speed, and some of that's going to come, and the power development's going to come as he ages and matures. But uh, you can see the makings of a really good player, right? Obviously, the contact ability is there, and he should be able to be a plus hit tool guy when he gets to the majors. Uh, speed, 55 of 66. So the, the speed is plus. The defense in center field was really good. He played all of his time in center. He didn't kick out to any corners or anything like that. And so this looks like it could be a, an everyday center fielder, that has got good speed, can play good defense, can get on base. And I think your questions as far as ceiling are going to be, what is the power? What does the power come out to, right? Where does the power end up? Because you've got a lot of time. He was listed at 5'10", 160. You've got a lot of development time. You've got a lot of potential here 
for Nelson Rada to grow into something. And the question is going to be, what does he end up being? Uh, another one of the top prospects, also down in the minors for a while, he spent uh, his time divided between single A and high A before an injury shut down his season. I, I think it was like generalized arm issue. It wasn't uh, probably just fatigue. I don't think it was actual severe injury, but Caden Dana, the right-handed pitcher, 11th rounder in 2022 out of high school, 14 starts between single A and high A, three and five with a three, five, six ERA in 68 and a third inning. Should have gone out for two more outs just so it'd be nice there. 89 strikeouts, 11.7 per nine, 230 walks, four walks per nine, and only four home runs allowed. And when you watch, I like the combination of pitches. Obviously, he's he he's young. I want to say he's around 20 years old or so, a little bit inexperienced, but the actual four pitches that he has are pretty good. Fastball sits in the mid-90s. He can run it up to about 97 or so, plays really good up in the zone. I don't have exact numbers from the induced vertical break, but really good up in the zone. The spin's really high, good there. Pairs it with a sweeper, sits in the mid-80s. I think it's a plus slider. He's going to get gets lots of, lots of swing and miss. He's not bothered about having to throw it to righty or lefty. He's fine either way, and I think that's a big deal. We've talked about how sweepers have the highest platoon splits, usually, of any pitch, because if you're a righty throwing it to a lefty, it's going to break in on them and it's a lot harder to get them to chase it. You know, you can't take it out of the zone and make them chase it. You have to backdoor it, or you have to come inside with it. He's comfortable doing that, so that's nice. Uses the curveball and the changeup less, but I think they're still good pitches. The curveball is a mostly vertical breaking curveball, so I like that. The changeup has good fade to it, so it's moving both back to the arm side and it's dropping a bit, right? Uh, he doesn't throw it enough. He doesn't really throw the, the curveball enough, right? He's still getting... He's still getting used to those, but it's a good four-pitch mix. The fr- He's 6'4", so there's room to add some velocity and stuff in there. And I think Caden Dana can be a dude if everything works out right. So really excited to watch that there. In just a minute, let's talk about the guys that you're going to see at the Major League level next year. Some of them have already debuted, and some of them are going to be coming back. And one debut I'm expecting, we'll talk about those guys next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL regular season is over. We are now in the postseason, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place any $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. So hop into FanDuel. You can pick a random postseason game for the NFL. They start this weekend any random game, and whether you win or lose on your $5 bet, you get $150 in bonus bets to go out there and throw on MLB odds. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet today with FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so we're going to talk about four players that some of them have already debuted. Some of them you will see in 2024 for the Los Angeles Angels. The first one, guy he's already debuted, shortstop Kyron Paris. And they went, he spent most of the year in double A. So in Rocket City with the Trash Pandas, which reminder, if you don't know what a Trash Panda is, it's a raccoon. But he 113 games there, and then he got up at the end of the season 
to the majors for 15 games because it's the Angels. Of course, they sent him from double A straight to the majors. That's their whole thing. So 113 games for Kyron Paris, 255, 393, 417, 14 home runs, 38 extra base hits, 88 walks to 151 strikeouts and 44 of 49 on stolen bases. Things to like here, things obviously that there's some struggle with. It feels like the zone contact is good, not great, and the overall contact ability is lacking a little bit. Uh, He had a, I think it's a 64% contact rate all season, and it didn't really change first half to second half when the AA Southern League got rid of that annoyingly tacky baseball that we've talked about so much. It didn't really change, right? It ticked up a little tiny bit, but enough where it could have just been random variance. It wasn't statistically significant how much it went up. A little bit of work to do there. And you could see some of those struggles in his 15-game sample in the major leagues. He went four for 40. Kyron Paris went four for 40 in the major leagues. Four walks, 17 strikeouts, did steal three bags. And there were things that you liked to see. The, the speed was good. Obviously, I said the stolen bases. He stole 44 in the minors. He stole three in the majors. He played both shortstop and second base and two games in center field in the major leagues. And so there's some good versatility there defensively. I believe his fielding percentages were both 950s, 960s or so at both short and second base in the minors. When you watch him, he is he's good enough to stick it short. But usually you're going to find somebody who's a better defender that would kick him off. In this case, he could kick into second. He could go out to the outfield. A lot of versatility as a utility guy for you. But the whole question is going to be, one, can you improve that contact ability? Because again, 64% overall in the minor league sample. Two, where is the power coming? Because if the power comes in 15 home runs, he could be a 1530 or 1540 guy in the major league level. If it comes into 20, you're looking at a 2040 guy that's incredibly valuable and you're really happy with Kyron Paris. So we'll see what happens. I would expect double A AA or triple A to start the year and then bring him up later as injuries and things like that happen because it's obvious he needs more work in the minors. We'll see what they do. Two other pitchers that you're probably going to see at the major league level next year, but we're not quite sure of the roles for really either of them. Right hand pitcher Ben Joyce and right hand pitcher Sam Bachman. So Everybody knows Ben Joyce because he threw 105 miles an hour, okay? We're familiar with Ben Joyce, who he is. He was a third rounder in 2022. He averaged 101 miles an hour on the fastball last year. And he's, again, he's reached 105. He has a slider, sits in the upper 80s. He throws the fastball four out of every five pitches. But that's, it's it's somewhat of, it's mostly a a sweeper, right? And so that's the fifth time. The thing, the two things with Ben Joyce... One, he struggles to land the pitch, either pitch, for strikes, right? When you're throwing with that much velocity, it's incredibly hard to locate. And Ben Joyce, you can absolutely see that in all of his numbers, both minor and major leagues. Uh, And for that context, 17 and two-thirds innings in the minors, 408 ERA, 26 strikeouts to 14 walks in 17 and two-thirds innings. Gave up a homer. In the major league level, 5.4 ERA in 10 innings, 10 walks, 9 strikeouts, 1 home run. I said this to the guys from uh, Locked on Angels when we were on there, I think last time or time before that. I said this when they drafted Ben Joyce. He's never 
thrown on back-to-back days. That is still true as we enter the year of our Lord 2024. He still has not thrown on back-to-back days. He didn't do it in college. He doesn't do it in the pros. And so the thought is he could be a closer because that fastball is amazing. One, he can't always locate it. And two, he can't pitch on back-to-back days. So the role for Ben Joyce is yet to be determined. And what makes sense is sending him to the minors and getting him physically acclimated to that schedule of throwing every other day, working on the strike throwing, maybe dialing it back to just averaging 99 would do that. I don't know. But they could always open out of spring training with him in the Major League bullpen and just plan on using him every other day or every third day or whatever. We don't know yet. Sam Bachman, another guy we don't quite know the role. 2021 ninth rounder out of Miami of Ohio. They've been talking about him as a starter. And he got six starts last year in the minors. 5-8-1 ERA in 26 innings. 29 strikeouts to 20 walks. You can see more of this command, just like with Ben Joyce. In the majors, he was up for 11 games. Of course, he was up from in the majors. Uh, purely in relief. All of them were in relief. And he did much better. 3-1-8 ERA in 10 in 17 innings, 14 strikeouts to 11 walks. You still see the walk issues, and that comes back to the fastball command. Uh, It sits 97. He can touch 99 with it, but it's got a lot of movement. It's running. It's sinking. A lot of movement, and so he can't always land it as a strike. He doesn't always know where it's going to go. He's got a slider. It looks like a cutter. It's it's cutter-like movement, but it's not always super consistent, right? Sometimes it drops more vertically. Sometimes it sticks with that horizontal hard action, sits in the mid to upper 80s. But again, it's not super consistent. He doesn't always know where it's going to go. And then he has a changeup that I really think he should throw more. I like that changeup a lot. It's good against lefties. That's going to be one of the differentiators, along with the fastball location and the ability to go more than three innings to make him into a starter if they're insistent he's still going to be a starter. Don't know if he's a long reliever, if he's going to be a a high leverage guy. I have no idea. A lot of questions about the role. A guy that I do think they're going to keep as a starter, and you should see him this year as he was just added to the 40-man roster, is right-hand pitcher Josh Kachanowitz. 2019 third-rounder out of high school. 21 starts between high A and double A. 5-5 Five and five with a 5-2-7 ERA in 94 innings. He, it's a little bit iffy on the swing and miss ability here. He came in right at a 969 strikeouts, so 6.6 per nine to 25 walks, 2.4 per nine, uh, and gave up 15 home runs, which is 1.4 per nine innings. Not necessarily great, right? The it is a sinker slider changeup profile, right? It's a two-seamer, sits in the high 90s. I like the velocity on it. He could touch 99 with it. Changeup sits in the high 80s with some good fade and then a sweeper in the mid 80s. The stuff is really good, but it's, and he throws strikes, 64% strike rate last year. But for some reason, it hasn't translated into effective production from an ERA standpoint from a win standpoint, from a strikeout standpoint. And it's really confusing to figure out why. Some of that's been some of that's been like injuries nicked up, things like that. Some of that's just been, I think, some bad luck. But I'm really curious to see going forward in 2024, one, does he strike out more guys per nine innings in the minors? And then two, when does he get up to the major leagues? So we'll see that in just a minute. 
In just a second, let's talk about some of the low-level prospects. I like a lot of the a lot of these international signings and lower-level guys. We'll talk about them next, right here on Locked On MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. According to the FDA, there have been a surprising number of shortages of crucial medications. Antibiotics like amoxicillin, which is great because we're in the middle of flu season, the worst one in like a decade, uh, ADHD meds, all kind of stuff like that. And I can't, like, that's frustrating to me because I'm not somebody who takes a ton of risks. I'm not climbing mountains. I'm not backpacking for weeks in foreign countries. And I'd like to at least be covered if a basic medical issue happens. That's why I have a Jace case. It's a pack of five antibiotics that treats a long list of bacterial illnesses, respiratory infections, skin infections, sinusitis, UTIs, all kinds of stuff. Uh, things that could happen to just about any of us. So go to jacemedical.com. What you'll do is it was called a physician encounter. It gets reviewed by a board-certified physician. Your medications are approved and dispensed by a licensed pharmacist at a fraction of the regular cost and mailed directly to you. It's never been easier to be prepared to take care of your own health. Go to jacemedical.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your order. That's jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com. Final segment of Locked MLB Prospects here, talking about the Los Angeles Angels farm system uh, and a couple guys that are intriguing, that are in the lower minors that have some more work to do. Jorge Ruiz, the outfielder, spent most of the season with Nelson Rada. He only got 73 games because an injury kind of cut it short, but it was a good 73 games. Batted 304, 379, 419. Three home runs, 25 extra base hits. 28 walks to 54 strikeouts and 13 to 17 on stolen bases. He was mostly in the corners, left field and right field. He did get nine games in center, and I think he could play center, but he had Nelson Rada there, and so they didn't need to put him in center. It's one of those things, he could do it, but there's a better defender, and so he doesn't have to, right? But uh, 79% contact rate, and so you feel good about that. Obviously, the stolen bases, the speed is average to above average, it manifests more on defense than it does on the base path. Some of that could be instincts and comfort. Some of that could just be, you know, a, a lack of confidence in making the steal, something like that. The question here for Jorge Ruiz is going to be, where does the power ceiling end up? That's obviously always the big takeaway with these young players. He's another, he's not any exception here. And Really curious because the arm is good, the speed is good, the defense is good enough, and if he can, one, as he matures and gets a little bit older, uh, if he can grow into more power, you could see a guy who's absolutely an MLB regular and could be an impact player potentially down the road. Uh, Ryan pitcher Jorge Marcheco is somebody that I've really enjoyed watching film of as I was prepping this episode. 22 games between single A and high A. 10 and 6 with a 3.55 ERA and 121 and two-thirds innings, 124 strikeouts, 9.2 per nine, to only 26 walks, 1.9 per nine, and 15 home runs allowed, which is 1.1, little higher than you'd love. But when you watch his stuff, okay, one, every now and then he throws an EFAS. That's tons of fun. I, I saw two of them in the film, and I'm like, okay, if I saw it more than once, it might be something he uses once a game or something like that. So that's fun. Changeup has good fade to it. Fastball sits in the low 90s, 
And he is a younger player, so you do have time for him to develop some more of that strength to get a little more velocity on it. But still, low 90s, good movement, good run. He locates it really well, which I think is a big thing there. But the fun for me is the slider. Okay, when you watch the slider coming out of the hand, it very much looks like a gyro slider. And now some of this is just the video quality. You can't really tell up close exactly what it is. It looks like a gyro slider. So it's a vertical moving slider, right? But as it gets to the plate, he gives it, there's just enough like tumble on the pitch where as it starts to drop, it starts to turn. And so all of that gyro spin starts catching the air and just yanks the ball to the side. It's so much fun to watch. The swings are so incredibly awkward, right? Because you see it, and even if you figure out that it's a slider that's going to drop on the way to the plate, about two-thirds of the way to the plate, or even three-fourths of the way to the plate, it just starts, like, jerking to the side. And it just, like, quickly darts, mostly horizontally, in the last 10 feet. It's tons of fun to watch. The swings are incredibly ugly. I want to know, is that something he's deliberately worked on or did that accidentally happen? Either way, tons of fun. A lot of gyro sliders will get a little bit of late movement laterally. Go look at Spencer Striders. That's mostly a gyro slider. It does that kind of late dart thing to it too. But I I don't remember very many of them doing it as much as Jorge uh, Marcheco's. And it's tons of fun to watch. Really enjoy it. Curious to see what he does there as he, I'm assuming it would be high A to double A. And obviously a lot of the double A guys, I get to see them in person. So I'm really excited to hear what Jorge Marcheco does. Uh, Ryan pitcher Barrett Kent, eighth rounder in 2023 out of high school. Uh, Only got in three games, only got one start. Eight and two thirds total innings. Did not give up a run. Four hits, four walks, 10 strikeouts, two hit by pitch. The stuff for such a young player is already pretty impressive, right? So the fastball, mid-90s, he can touch 98 with it, does really well up in the zone. Slider sits in the mid-80s, has standard two-plane break, not that really unusual, staggered Jorge Marcheco break, but two-plane break. And then a changeup in the low 80s with some good fade to it and a rarely used but an existing curveball in the mid-70s. It's mostly vertical break. The thing there is he's one. He obviously needs to use the changeup and curveball more, and that's a lot of young prep players. You just you see them come out with two pitches. That's fine. The fact that he can throw four in competition makes you feel good that you can develop those into useful tools. And obviously, he's covering all the directions, right? The slider shape isn't always consistent, so I want to see that get a little bit better. And then obviously, you just have to get him used to throwing every five days on that you know on that professional baseball schedule. But the fact that you saw a prep pitcher that one, was running the ball up to 98, and two, had the beginnings of four pitches in his debut year, you have to feel good about that. And so I like the potential of Barrett Kent moving forward. Another outfielder here, third rounder out of Stanford, Alberto Rios, didn't have a great debut from a statistical standpoint, but still a guy that's really intriguing. So 36 games between rookie ball and an A ball. Batted 183, nine extra base hits, was 8 of 10 on stolen bases. The power is real here. Now, he came out of college, so he's 21, but the power is real. Averaged 89 miles an hour, 90th percentile exit velocity of 105. The thing you have to work on is he is not great defensively. 
They had him play, I think he played all either left field or DH. And some of that is because you already had guys in some of those spots, but still something where the speed isn't bad, but the defense isn't necessarily great. And he only had a one-year track record in college. He was a full-time player one season at Stanford. And so he hit 18 home runs, batted 384 or so, but you need to see the, the performance translate next year. He was somebody I was intrigued about coming out of the draft. I didn't necessarily think he'd be a third rounder. thought he'd be a little bit later than that, but curious to see what he does next year. I've got two dart throws in this system. They're both pitchers. I've noticed a lot of the dart throws seem to be pitchers. Maybe that's just a me thing, but right-hand pitcher Michael Durrell Hicks and left-hand pitcher Sammy Natera Jr. Michael Durrell Hicks, five and seven last year with a 388 ERA and 109 innings. The dude can eat innings. 124 strikeouts to 35 walks. He's a fastball slider change guy. Throws from what looked like a little bit of a lower three-quarter slot. Fastball runs up to 93 or so. He's got some good run to it. Really intrigued to see what he can do with that, with kind of a standard pitch mix, but a little bit more of an unusual slot. And then Sammy Natera was actually 17th rounder in 2022 out of New Mexico State. Did not have a great win-loss record. Again, in the minors, it doesn't matter, but two and nine, just ugly. Four, seven, six ERA in 90 and two thirds innings, 118 strikeouts. So 11.7 per nine to 47 walks, 4.7 per nine and 14 home runs allowed. So three pitches, but he does a two and two thing depending on the handedness, right? Fastball sits in the mid 90s. He uses that for everybody. But then he's got a slider that he's throwing mostly to lefties, and then he whips out a changeup for righties. The release point of the whole package makes it a little bit tough to pick up, right? And so he gets that natural deception in there, things like that. But last year, he did really well as far as like college strikes plus whiffs, strikeout rate, minus that kind of stuff. Fastball is good up in the zone. Again, he's got the slider. He's got the changeup couple different directions there. Would love for him to have something that broke a little more vertically to cover that last direction, but he's got the different velocity bands covered, which is nice. Uh, fantastic week this week. couple of more shows to do on the West. Uh, in the meantime, if you have questions about guys that weren't on this show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, shows on Twitter at Locked On Farm, and in the link tree in the episode description in the show notes, it has every other way to reach us. Discord, subtext, all of that stuff. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. 